You're listening to an audio sermon from Hope Bible Church Kelowna. For more information about our church, please visit hopekelowna.ca. Father, your name alone is worthy of all praise and all glory and all honor. We do, we look forward to the day when you return. You will bring us home. But until then, Lord, you have so much work to do. So much to do in this this moment, this strange moment for so many of us. And so we seek you today through your word and through prayer. We call on you and we say, God, do a mighty work. Change our hearts. May you receive the glory. May you receive the worship you so deserve from us today. Only you are worthy, O Lord. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen. I'm so glad that you could uh, join with us today for worship. And, and uh, at this time, I just want to kind of just say, hey, our hearts are with you. Um, COVID-19 has been quite the uh, experience, at least for my family, and I'm sure it's been for yours. Uh, It's really taken everything for a turn. Uh, You know, no more restaurants, no more going to the gym. Not that I was going to the gym before, but uh, no more going to the gym, no more meeting up with people for Parker, and and Diana means no more playgrounds. Um, it, It means that no more visits from family. Uh, or uh, even not really congregating in church like we used to, but praise the Lord that we have technology like this, that we can meet in this kind of a way, and, and that we can take this opportunity to, uh, to worship and, and serve the Lord and, and come before his, him and his word today. Um, I'm really excited to, uh, to share with you what, what God has been laying on my heart and been sh- sh- teaching me today. And, and the question I have for you and, and for all of us today and for myself is, This question, what are you living for? What are you living for? You see, with with everything changing from COVID-19, maybe what you were living for before has changed. Um, Maybe that thing that you were looking forward to, maybe it was a vacation, a promotion. Maybe it was a a, a visit or, or something like that. Whatever you are directing your life toward, what are you living for? living for health and fitness, living for relationships, maybe for money or, or, uh, or many other things. Or maybe it's in a more negative perspective. Maybe you haven't been living for something, but you felt like you've been just fleeing a failure, fleeing a, a label, fleeing being called something or, or, or a fear that you have. Whatever that goal is that you're living for or whatever that fear is that you're running from, I want to tell you that we're pivoting our lives off something that will probably disappoint. We are pivoting our whole lives, whether fleeing or running toward, we are worshiping that very thing. That's an idol. That's a, that's a God in our life often. And, and one of my favorite definitions of worship, I want to share this with you because a lot of us don't picture our lives as worshiping the thing that we're living for, but Really, that's, that's what worship is. It's, it's whatever you're directing your life for. So this uh, definition is by Harold Best, and he says, Worship is the continuous outpouring of all that I am, all that I do, and all that I can ever become in light of a chosen or choosing God. 
You know, a lot of us might not think that this is what we, uh, what comes to our mind when we hear the word worship. We might picture just singing songs or praying prayers or religious practices, but this is a great definition because the Bible talks about a relationship with God as a, a walk or a run and, and many things. And so we have to understand that whatever you pour your life out into continuously, that is what you're worshiping. The continuous outpouring of all that I am, all that I do, all that I can ever become in light of a chosen God or a choosing God. And that's a little g God because often what we're worshiping is, is not the real God. We're pouring our worship and our love towards something that's an idol, something that's incomplete, something that when we chase it down, it will really just disappoint whether you want to call it living for something or worship, the reality is we all have these gods and that we're chasing after and we all have a way of dedicating our lives to them. But the Bible, the, the words of Jesus are clear that there is a life worth living for. You see, Jesus talks to this one woman, a Samaritan woman, and he says to her that there's a life worth living for, a life worth having. And he describes it as living water. And he says that this is the water, that water that I will give them, he says, will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. He says there is only one way, one truth, one life, and that's found in him. So as we think about what we're living for, the question from the perspective of Christ and the question for us today as we look into God's word is this. Are we true worshipers? Are we true worshipers who live in pursuit of God? Or are, there or are we a false worshiper? Worshiping idols and putting our heart and our dedication into something made. Something that will disappoint. Today I want to show you from God's word three credentials for being a true worshiper. And what it's like to worship the true God. Because let me tell you this. When we chase after idols, they will disappoint us. They will let us down. And they might pacify some of the feelings. And maybe with this whole COVID-19 thing going on, the opportunities to pacify what's going on in your life has been taken away. Because those little luxuries are gone. But I, I want to implore you. I want to invite you. And I want to challenge myself here as well to chase after God, to be a true worshiper of him because that's where we will find satisfaction. That's where we will find peace. That's where we will find joy. Turn with me if you have a Bible with you to John chapter 4 verse 19 to 26. If you don't have a Bible, um, you can check out on a phone. You can go to a Bible app, an ESV Bible app, or contact us. Put, fill out a connection card and say, I don't have a Bible. We want to get a Bible in your hands. This is the most amazing gift to the world uh, in written word. This is, this is the best thing for us to, to study and to understand. This is where we will find truth today. And so I, I challenge you to have a Bible. Turn to John chapter 4, verse 19 to 26. Let me read. The woman, this is the Samaritan woman I was just sharing with you. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. And Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know, but we worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. 
But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. And the woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming and the, the one who is called Christ. When he comes, he'll tell us all these things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Let's just start where Jesus started with this woman. He had just offered her water that will become in her a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And the woman says she wants this water. And, and so what she says then after that, after she says she wants this water, Jesus looks at her and says, then go and call your husband, to which she avoids answering honestly. Look with me. He says in verse 17, the woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you're right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands and the one you now have is not your husband. What you've said is true. So what's her response after Jesus literally just called her out for having multiple husbands, for being promiscuous and, 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 and having, um, having all these relationships? And what does she say back to him? She says, sir, I perceive you're a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you say that Jerusalem is the place where people, what does this have any, hold on a second. What does this have anything to do with the fact that she has husbands, all these husbands, and, and the one that she's with is not her husband now? Well, it has nothing to do with it, really, because she's trying to avoid that. She's, she's avoiding the conversation. She's trying to divert the fact that she has had all these relationships, that she's been chasing after all these other things. And this is where we need to start. We need to start by confessing our idols. When we first say we want to be true worshipers, we must confess and face our idolatrous hearts. Jesus wants our whole lives, and he will not share the spotlight he wants all of us. You see, this woman, she idolized a lot, and we do too. The idols are, in our hearts are, are, are meant, not meant to be the focus of our lives. They're like the, the fruit on the tree in the Garden of Eden. Their purpose is for us to deny, proving our affection is for God and for God alone. When we choose to chase after idols, we experience the same feelings of, and consequences as Adam and Eve. Shame and guilt, disappointment. And separation from God. The reality is this. If you want to be a true worshiper, you must understand. You can't live for God and keep your idols. You can't. It's not until you really dispose of them and confess that you have idols that you'll fully be satisfied. Regardless of whether you're a Christian or you're interested, you're curious, whether you want a relationship with God or whether you want to grow your relationship with God, it's so necessary to identify and to confess your idols. The idol in this woman's heart was very clear. She idolized relationships. She idolized romantic relationships. She had had husband after husband hoping that that would satisfy her. You know, because we all have this need for love and we all have this need for um, for understanding significance and understanding our, our security and, and all these. And she went and sought all of that in romantic relationships. And when one would disappoint, she'd move to the other. And when the next would disappoint, she would move again. This woman, you might think you're nothing like her. 
But the reality is, we're a lot like her. You may not picture yourself as a, as, as a Samaritan woman like this lady. But the reality is, we all end up in a place like her. All of us. We all end up in a place that we never expected to be. A place where we were never hoped we would be. No one grows up as a child wanting to be an idolater. No one grows up as a child hoping that they'll be unfaithful in their marriage or become addicts or become uh, cheaters in their taxes and un- unfaithful and untrustworthy. No one grows up wanting to be these things, but we end up there because we start going down a path of idolatry. And you go so far and you keep going and you keep going until you feel trapped. It reminds me of a, a story I saw in the news not too long ago. I'd love to just show you a picture of, of what that looks like. There's this picture of a car uh, of a lady she was driving and uh, she was following her GPS. Ended up taking a turn into a boat launch. And she put her car into the Georgian Bay. You see, that's what our life looks like. That's what our life looks like when we chase after idols. We get lost. And we end up somewhere where we never expected we would show up. So we must confess our idols. You see, for me, I find that this whole COVID-19 quarantine experience has been uh, formative, (laughs) I'm going to say. It's really caused all the idols in my heart to really bubble up to the top. Because... For so many of us, the habits we've formed and the, the regular patterns we've formed of relieving our stress and, and enjoying little luxuries like restaurants and, and time away and people and all that kind of stuff, it kind of lets us stay distracted. And right now, it's a pretty focused time, isn't it? It's a time where we realize what really kind of drives us up the wall. It's a time when our marriages are put to the test, our parenting is put to the test, our, our, our trust in the Lord for our finances and for our future. It's really giving clarity in many ways. Probably a little bit affronting if you're anything like me. It's like when this woman is told right by Jesus that she, uh, he knows that she's had five husbands and the one that you have is not your husband. When you realize how much you've been idolizing and worshiping, you could beat yourself up or avoid conversations like this woman tries. But you must stop. Stop beating yourself up. Stop feeling trapped. And just take a moment to appreciate this one amazing truth. That God has been so generous, so generous in his patience toward us. How comforting is that? How wonderful and beautiful is it that Jesus knew this lady. And she had come at a time in the day in order to avoid people, really. That's why she would come midday because there was habits of of the ladies would come to the well, usually in the morning and the evening because it was super hot during the middle of the day. And she was there most likely because she was ashamed of her past and her reputation with these men. And Jesus was there. And Jesus didn't avoid her, even though Jews regularly saw Samaritans as dogs and you would even be looked down upon. I'm sure Jesus was looked down upon or questioned or or the the disciples were curious what he was doing. Being there, first of all, talking to a Samaritan, let alone a Samaritan woman. And he's there knowing all her flaws, knowing all her idolatry. And he's present with her. 
and he listens to her. And even when she tries to take the conversation in another direction, he stays and he implores with her and he says, woman, please believe me. The hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. See, God and Jesus know our hearts. They know the idols of our hearts. They know the idols of my heart. And just like Jesus knew the, the idols of the Samaritan woman's heart, he's here presently being patient with you, wanting to call on you and saying, let go of this idol. Let go of what you've been holding on to. Let go of this security blanket that you think is more secure than me. And God is saying, trust me. Put your faith in me. Remember, you can't live for God and keep your idols. You see, these idols, they're like security blankets we, we cling to. And God in his patience is repeatedly chasing after it, chasing after us and saying, I love you. You know, it's, it's a weak illustration, but it's kind of like a guy getting married and he's on his wedding day and in his back pocket is his black book of girlfriend's numbers. <laughs> it's, it's almost disgusting to think about the type of twisted injustice we show the Lord who is readily willing to go the whole mile with us to die on a cross for our sins. And here we are keeping these little security blankets around for comfort, for just in case. Just in case, what? Just in case the God of the universe is not sovereign, just in case he won't take care of you. Let me tell you, no idol loves you. No person loves you as much as the Lord loves you. And so we need to come to our knees when we realize we have an idol in our lives, we, we need to come to our knees before the Lord and repent of these things and then enter into community. We need to enter into areas and in, in relationships where people will bear our burdens with us. And if you're not yet today, today is the day to join a group. Please join a group. Yes, we're meeting online and I know it's not ideal and I, I fully admit that. I would rather see you in person. I'd love to be giving people hugs and high fives. But you know what? Even online is something more than nothing. James chapter 5 verse 16 says this. It says, confess your sins to one another. Confess your sins to one another. It's in times like this, in times of isolation, that you need community more than ever before. Community to share your burdens, to discuss your fears and failures. A, a place where people, other people, Share these temptations where other people are dealing with the idols in their life. A place, a place where people care for you and pray for you. You can sign up for one of our groups online using our connection card. Please do this today. Confessing your idols is, is not a one-time therapy session. It's not just one moment. It's every day for us. Because John Calvin says uh, greatly, he says that our hearts are factories for idols. They continually make new idols for us to chase after. And so you need to be in regular community to help continue to confess your sins to one another, to bear each other's burdens and to lift each other up. We still have community groups going. We have groups going and running throughout the whole week online. 
Discipleship and ministry has not stopped here. God is still continuing to do work. In fact, now that groups are online, it's even more easily available for you to sign up. You can be in your home, in your pajamas, and be doing group time. But the problem is this. We're all a little tempted like this woman, aren't we? We're a little tempted to avoid it. And I want to encourage you to fight that temptation today. Look at this lady's immediate response. Again, she's just trying to big, bring up some conversation about mountains and worship and, and avoiding the reality that he just addressed the sin in her life. And Jesus' response is perfect. Woman, believe me, the hour is coming. It's like, it's like he's trying to say to her, you don't have time to bide your time. You don't have time to waste my time. The hour is coming. The hour is here. The kingdom of God is here. Jesus did not speak as if we had the opportunity to just sit around and wait and make some decisions. She's deflecting and avoiding rather than acknowledge what Jesus has just confronted with her. And she pushes it to the bottom. This is where I'm tempted to go. And Jesus' response is the indicator of what our next step is. He says, respond now. Have an urgent spirit. And this leads us to our second credential. Have an urgent spirit. Even at the end of her conversation, as she's talking to him, uh, the woman says this, I know that the Messiah is coming. He had just explained what it means to worship, to truly worship in spirit and in truth, and, and the hour is coming, and all this. And she looks at him and says, I know that the Messiah is coming. He'll, he'll, you know, he'll teach us, you know, he'll sort this all out when he comes. Again, just trying to avert the conversation and avoid it. And Jesus says to her, I who speak to you, I am he. You see, the temptation will be for us to be stagnant and complacent. You know, COVID-19 might have put a lot of your plans on hold, but it hasn't stopped God's. He's still moving. And we have to understand that when, when Jesus spoke, he spoke caringly and willingly and graciously, but he always spoke urgently. He didn't offer Christianity as an option amongst many religions. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And he says, the kingdom of God is here. You may be tempted to put a pause on life right now, to even put a pause on your relationship with God, thinking that if I can get everything else sorted, then I can afford to have a relationship with God. Let me warn you about that. You can't afford to put your relationship with God on hold or on pause or wait. And we can't afford in this desperate time to be part of God's kingdom building. The Messiah has come. He has conquered sin and death and the grave and he has won for us a victory. You only need to reach out and grasp it. You must understand that living for God, it has to be more than wishful thinking and good intentions. It has to be more than just wishful thinking and good intentions. It can't just be uh, a repeated prayer with, with no follow through and in intentionality and in purpose. She had, like so many of us, said she wanted this living water. And she wanted it. She, she wanted to experience this well of life welling up within her, but she was avoiding it. She didn't sense the urgency. 
If it was a concern, it was only a concern that could be put off until there was more proof or more push. But I'm telling you, the time is now. Reminds me of something I'm kind of, no, I'm guilty of doing. It reminds me of something I'm guilty of doing at home. When, when Becca and I will be talking and, uh, and she'll, she'll actually show me a picture of maybe like a, a coffee table or a side table or, or something like that. And she, it's something she would like. And, and uh, since we've moved, we, we, we kind of left some of our furniture in Ontario and sold it. And so she's kind of looking forward to building our, building our life around here again with, with those types of things. And, and so she'll show me a picture and she'll say, oh, we could probably pick this up here. And maybe I'll watch it up for on a Facebook marketplace or whatever. And and I'll look at her, I'll go, why would I, why would I spend money on that? <laughs> like, why would I spend money on that thing when I could build it? Like, hey, babe, like, come on. I could build that. I could build it way better. Like, I could build it in two minutes. <laughs> you know, I could, uh, I could do it for cheaper, and I'd do it better, and I'd probably put a little stand, I'd probably do this a little bit there, and a lot of big talk. And she'll say, you know, okay, well, well when are you going to do that? Uh, you know, it doesn't take long. I could probably do it this weekend, you know. You know, most of my weekends are pretty free. I mean, other than the fact that I, I worship and serve at the church every Sunday. And, and, but anyway, and you know what happens. You know what happens to this list of things. The honey-do lists get put off and put off until there's more time. I saw this picture online and, and it gave me a good little chuckle. Uh, it, it says, thoughts and prayers going out to all the married men who have spent months telling their wife, I'll do that when I got time. I was just speaking with someone just a few moments ago, not too long ago, and they were just saying that um, the businesses, the local businesses like Home Depot and Rona and the, the places where people are using building materials for their home and doing work on their homes, they're doing okay. And in fact, they're doing really well <laughs> because people have more time on their hands. They're not allowed to go out to restaurants, so I might as well work on the lawn and work on the house and, and even pick up a can of paint and top up the paint on, on the walls and and uh, the reality is this, that God in this moment, in this season of COVID-19 and, and in his word has really made it clear to us, there's a real urgency that we must respond to. We must understand that living for God is more than wishful thinking and good intentions. You have to understand that God is not like us in this. God does not say he will do something and put it off. He does not he, he, he does not fail in any of his promises. He always follows through. And when it comes to you and I, he doesn't hold back in his pursuit of us. He doesn't wait till later. He comes after us. Look at Jesus here, being with this woman. He's not telling her this reality about the kingdom and the hour and stuff like that to scare her. He's calling her and saying, please join me now and please believe in me now. Jesus loves her so deeply that he, he risked a relationship, uh, uh, how people saw him. And he, he, he didn't care how people would see him because he knew that this woman was worth seeking. I love the picture of the, the parable of the good shepherd who leaves the 99 to chase after the one. You see, God has been so generous in his pursuit of us. So generous in his pursuit of us. And we need to respond in urgency to him. When he says to worship in spirit and in truth, he talks, he's talking about the fact that the kingdom of God is here. We need to worship him now with our spirits. 
To worship him is to recognize the imminent and ever-present kingdom of God and, and the one, Jesus, who is in authority over all. To worship him is to respond with your whole life. You cannot enjoy worship. You cannot enjoy worship until it's fueled by the urgent response to Christ's pursuit of you. If you're wondering why your worship has fallen flat and why you don't enjoy your times with the Lord, maybe it's because you have given up on the urgency of his kingdom. Maybe because you just want him to keep chasing after you and you're, you just like being chased after. I, I, uh, I think it's kind of funny in our culture. We, we talk a lot about evolution and, and the pursuit of our culture going towards some kind of utopia, self-betterment, maybe improving our technology. And we seem to make a lot of movies and media about the, but no matter how much we say we're going towards a utopia, you look at the movies. We've got a picture, a slide of some of the movies that we've come up with in the past couple of years. Look at these movies. These are all movies about apocalypses and horrible things coming. It's, it's, it's funny that our culture continually portrays and teaches to our kids that, you know what? If we increase the technology, if we, if we increase our minds and elevate our minds and we evolve, then eventually we'll get to some kind of... Look, every movie we put out pre predicts that we are, we are going to see an apocalypse. We're going to see a rough ending to all of this. We say that we uh, can, can be shooken up by this little COVID thing. COVID is COVID's but a snowflake compared to a snowstorm. So how are we to respond? We start in personal prayer. James 2.17 says this, Faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. You know what? I wonder if it's almost best right now that you're not around people. Because then your urgent response to the Lord is just between you and him. You know, it's go time. <laughs> it's go time, church. We as a church, we're, we're, uh, we try to regularly initiate opportunities for you to be actively involved in your relationship with God. And we call these go times. These are times to serve the community, serve the needs. And even this week, uh, and you saw Pastor Meldon brought this U-Haul box and, and he was talking about it. This is a time, a go time opportunity. This is a time when the needs are imminent and the need is urgent. It's time for your spirit to get involved. God's kingdom building mission isn't one where you lounge back and get a tan. I love, there's a visual that I really love that someone has shared before and it's this. That the church is not to be like a cruise ship. It's supposed to be like a battleship. You see on a cruise ship, people just lie back and have their drinks, catch their tan and hang out and, you know, let them be served by the, the people who work there. No, the church is not supposed to be like that. It's supposed to be like a battleship. Every person knowing their purpose, every per person having a role to play, every person involved, urgently understanding the needs of being involved with the, the, the mission at hand. See, it's important for you to understand that the mission is at hand. God is doing a mighty work right now. It's time for you to get involved. It's time for you to, to wake up for your spirit to be urgently praising the Lord, urgently seeking him and his word, urgently getting involved in the mission that is going on around you. Go and see your neighbors at a safe distance and, and show them and teach them the gospel.
You know, if this is news to you, if you don't understand that God is an urgent God, that Jesus Christ was teaching an urgent message, it's, it's probably important for you this next credential. You need to know your God. You need to know your God. You know, when Jesus is speaking to this woman, he says something that's kind of curious. He says to her, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. In verse 22, he says, you worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews. When he says this, when he's talking to this woman and he says that um, the Jews worship what they do know, he's, he's talking about the Samaritan religion. Uh, just to give you a little history on, on the Samaritans, and this was a fascinating study for me. I really enjoyed this. If you go back to 2 Kings chapter 17, you'll actually read about the origin of the Samaritans. And what had happened was this. Israel, when Israel was a kingdom, the northern kingdom, and they had been taken off into exile, a portion of them were brought back to Samaria, a little place that's just north of Jerusalem. And the story is that they returned to Samaria, and then they were actually having problems with lions. And that lions were attacking. And so the king of Assyria was, was concerned about this and trying to do something about it. He thought, you know what? Why don't we bring the religion of the land back to Samaria to these people? And so he does. He invites the, uh, a religious priest to come back and to try and teach the people the, the Torah and, and the laws of God. And, and to, you know, try and use Yahweh God as some kind of pawn to get rid of the lion problem. And what happened is the people didn't cling to the law of the Lord. They didn't cling to the Torah as, and they didn't cling to the, the full scriptures. They didn't, instead they actually supplemented it with their own gods, the gods of, of other nations, other idols. And so what happened is they actually, Samaritans uh, started their own kind of version of Judaism you know, they tried, to, uh, uh, they tried to be partly Jew and partly other things. You know, I guess you could say they were um, Jew-ish. Okay, I hope there's a laugh track because I found that hilarious. No, they're only Jew-ish because they only used the first five books of the Bible. And, and even that, they actually used their own version of it. And they didn't have the rest of the Bible that the Hebrews did, that, that Jesus and the Jews did. They, they, the Samaritans, they supplemented their beliefs with other gods and, and cultural things and, and all that. And when Jesus says this point, you worship what you do not know, he's saying you don't even know God. Yet you say you worship Yahweh, but you don't even know him. How could you know him if you don't even have his word? Jesus, when he says when that people, true worshipers, will worship in spirit and truth, the truth is the word of God. The truth is the, the, the word of God that we use, that we know about who God is. And so we worship him in light of that. Like even the words and the scriptures that we use here at Hope Bible Church for our worship, all of that is informed by the theology and the words of scripture. And we're careful, so careful about the songs that we use because we want to use the ones that glorify and are filled with the truth of God's word because we want to worship God in spirit and in truth. To Jesus, the difference between the Samaritans and the Jewish religion was, was very clear at this point. And so the question for us today is, who are you worshiping? How well do you know your God that you're worshiping? And are you worshiping him in truth? 
You see, the Samaritans, they compromised on scripture, continually adding idols and other gods. And, and that's going to still be the temptation for us today. Living for God means taking him for who he says he is. And it means loving him for who he says he is, too. You see, the word of God, the Bible, is the means by which God has made himself known. God wants you to know him. Just isn't that amazing in and of itself that God wants you to know him? He is in pursuit of you. He is seeking you. He is seeking true worshipers, as it says here. And, and he is looking for you to know him. God has not hidden himself from the complicated and the difficult and the reality of the world and the reality of life. You see, what the Samaritans didn't have and the Jews did, the Jews had books like Job, the story of God willingly allowing Satan to hurt and harm one of God's followers. What does that say about God's sovereignty? The Jews had the Psalms. They had the story of Jonah. I love the story of Jonah. Jonah, a prophet being sent to the enemies of Israel. And he's reluctant about it. And he gets there and he's grumbling and he gives this eight-word sermon to the city. And what happens is God moves mightily and the city repents and he relents from sending his anger. If you don't have the whole word, word of God, if you don't have the whole counsel of God informing who you worship, I'm not sure you know who you worship. God has been so generous in revealing who he is. The Jews were able to wrestle with questions of God's grace and his mercy. They, they, they were able to work through the scriptures and understand that the God who loves them loves them deeply with a deep covenant love. And they were also able to discern what was true and what was not true. And you know what? <clears throat> when we worship God in truth, when we worship him in light of what we know about him, he receives so much glory because it's like we're giving him a, thought, a thoughtful gift. If you've ever been given a gift that's pretty thoughtful, you know what this is like. A, 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 gift, um, a, a gift like that, that demonstrates that someone knows you. Recently, we were sent a gift uh, from a family friend, and uh, I think there's a slide ahead there, um, but that's okay. Um, <clears throat> recently, we were given a, a gift from a family friend, and, and they sent these two books for the kids, and, and they were wonderful. One is a little lullaby, um, using words about BC, where we've moved now, British Columbia. And another one is a lullaby for uh, Ontario. And uh, it was so thoughtful for us because totally our heart is here in BC with the people of Kelowna. And we love you. And we love this church. And, and uh, we love this city. And, but in this moment, there's a lot of times when we miss home. And we miss Ontario. And we miss our family. And to have that second book and to read that with Parker and read that with Diana, is, is, it's just such a nice moment where we, we see the, the story of where God has taken us. And it's a very thoughtful gift because that person knows us. They understand us. That person also sent a, a, a book um, on Dwight Moody. And I love him as a, as a story, as, a, as an example of faith and, and, and ministry and and. Uh, and and I don't think I've told a lot of people, but I think she knew, and, and she sent that book to me. There's something about receiving a very thoughtful gift. 
when someone really knows you, they know how to show love to you in an intricate detail, in a detail that says, I understand you. See, this is why I think Jesus came as a shock to both the Jews and the Samaritans. This is why I think the words that he says throughout scripture still cut through to our hearts. Because if there's anything really clear about Jesus, it's that he knows God. He really knows the Lord. You could tell just by his authority and his character and his navigation of scripture that he truly knew God. One of the things we've been talking about here at Hope and uh, as a church and as leaders is we really want people here to know not only what we don't believe in order to discern themselves, but also what we do believe, what we do know about the Lord, what we do love about him. And, and so it's important for us, if you want to be a true worshiper, you're going to have to be in God's word. And you're going to fall in love with it. I promise you. Because you find out how affectionate he is for you, how much he loves you. Last thing I really want to share with you is just something called the 5G life that we do here at Hope Bible Church. Uh, it's a, it's a, a story of healthy rhythms, <clears throat> of how a disciple and a follower of Jesus follows him. There's five Gs, and I want to explain them to you. The first is, is God time. This is about spending 20 minutes every single day in the Lord, with the Lord, and at, at least 20 minutes. It's about spending time in God's word and worshiping him in spirit and in truth, intentionally being there, urgently seeking after him. And in those moments, you will realize the idols you have. So go and be part of your God time and, and have God every single day with him, reading his word and praying. And then the second thing we do is we have gather time. And that's this moment right now. What we're doing right now is we're worshiping the Lord together in, in, in a worship service where we sing songs and we, we, we share community. And, and yes, this is not the ideal way of, of how we would normally do it. But this is something. Even after service, we do an online lobby. And so I, I, I say to you, join in us, join with us today in gathering and worshiping the Lord. He hears the, the unity of our voices as we sing together. It's so good to dedicate a time to, to him. This will help you in your urgency. This will help you and, and lead you in, in understanding truth. After gather time, we have group time, which is once a week. Once a week, spending time in community. It's an opportunity for you to, to share your burdens with others and carry the burdens of others. This is the primary engine for mutual discipleship and mutual care here. If you want to be discipled, if you want to make disciples, group times is so essential. And we really encourage you to be part of it, especially now during this whole COVID-19 thing. If you want to sign up, just go online, hit our connection card, contact us in any way. We want to see people be part of groups. The, the fourth way is, the fourth G is give time. Give time is our giving back to the Lord. As I've said today, God has been so generous in his patience. He has been so generous in his pursuit of us. God has been so generous in, uh, in so many ways to us. And, and, and part of that is his generosity financially and, and in our time. And, and so we have the opportunity to give back to him just a portion, just to enjoy the same experience of generosity that he gives to us, to enjoy a portion of that. 
And so we do give time. And then lastly, we have go time, which is that opportunity to take the urgency of the fact that the kingdom of God is going right now. God is moving mightily in this time, even during COVID-19, even through quarantine, even through isolation, God is still actively working. And so go time is, is, is your opportunity to reach the people around you at a safe distance and, and obeying the proper rules. But go time is, is the opportunity to put out a box and collect canned goods and make a difference in a city when people need it. Go time is an opportunity to demonstrate the love of the Lord in the gospel. This 5G life, <clears throat> this is a, a balanced life for a person who is a true worshiper of God who worships the true God. I ask you again, what are you living for? What is the focus of your heart? What are you fleeing from? Today is the day to repent of your sins, to confess your idols, to live urgently in your spirit, and to to grab God's word and to know your God. Let me pray. Lord, You are teaching us so much. And in this time, we just ask that you would move mightily in our hearts. We ask that you would lead us into a deeper love of you. Lead us to be true worshipers of you. Help us in this time to live urgently for your kingdom. To recognize how much you've been pursuing us and to take that and to be pursuing others. And Lord, we look forward to what you do as you receive the glory. You have done so much for us, dying on a cross for our sins and defeating death and sin, taking on the wrath of the Father for our sakes. You are worthy of our praise of our affection, you are worthy of living our whole lives for. And so we continue to give you the glory in song and in praise. Amen.